If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and reach down, grab those, um, grab your phones, turn on however you've got your Bible. Certainly hope you have that this morning. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Um, we're going to be reading uh, verses 12 through 17 this morning. I'm going to turn it over to uh, Miss Jackie over here, and she's going to read for us out of the Lord's Word. So, Jackie, I'll pass it off to you. Thank you. Good morning, church. If you're able to stand, let's read Hebrews 12, 12 through 17. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sought his birthright for a single, I'm sorry, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Thank you. Thanks. Go ahead and have a seat and join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you, to take communion, to be in your presence. Uh, Father, now we come to a time of your word, and we, we acknowledge and we um, declare and, and, and even say that your word um, is more than just words on a page. But, Father, it is, this is a moment for us to commune with you, to hear your voice, um, not to hear Darren's voice, but your voice speak to us. And so, Lord, I pray your spirit would be with us, that he would guide us and direct us, lead us into truth. Uh, Father, certainly ask that your spirit would work through me this morning, um, especially as we talk about a topic like holiness, something that uh, I can't oftentimes even comprehend. None of us can, um, especially when it comes to your holiness and how set apart you are. And so, Lord God, we just pray um, that you'd be with us as to your help. Um, we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. So come to this topic of holiness. And um, as I start, I'm, I want to start by um, pointing your attention to uh, these scissors that I'm holding in my hand. Now, um, I'm guessing, I don't know if you can see them or not, but I'm guessing everybody in this room, or at least most of us, have a pair of scissors in our house. Uh, this is a pretty common thing. If you're like my family, you've got like 72 pair. Uh, you've got the children's scissors. You've got the big ones. You've got the little ones. Uh, you've got the sharp ones. You've got the non-sharp ones. And, and maybe you're even like your, my house where um, your scissors find themselves most often in the junk drawer. Um, which I know you all have that junk drawer where it's like batteries and rubber bands and like the hair tie that your daughter left on the floor and all kinds of stuff, right? You just kind of chuck it into that drawer and hope that it gets found when we need it the most. But um, scissors, I mean, they're, they're a common tool, something that most of us have. We use it all the time. Uh, uh, we use them for construction paper and crafts and um, we use them you know, for opening up mail and opening up the hundreds of boxes that come to us from Amazon these days. And uh, we use scissors for all kinds of different stuff, some even strange things. Um, my wife uses scissors to cut up chicken because it's easier than using a knife, right? So um, kids use them out in the yard as they make those little mud pies and they cut up leaves and they put them up in bowls. And so scissors are common. They're used all the time. But I don't know if you can see it or not, but these scissors are a unique pair of scissors. These are special scissors. 
Uh, these are medical scissors. Now, I'm not a surgeon, so uh, I, I don't know exactly what these would be used for. Um, but nonetheless, they're medical scissors. They're intended to be something beyond common. Right? Like these scissors have to be unique. Like they need to be made of, of stainless steel. They need to be kept clean. They need to be kept sharp. They need to keep, be kept um, sterilized, right? Like you don't just take a, a pair of scissors out of your junk drawer and use them in a surgery, right? Like, I hope you're not going to that doctor. If you are, you need to change doctors. All right, so, so that, but you see that. Like, these are intended for something different, and, and they are to be set apart. And I use that, and I talk about this idea of set apart as, as a simple analogy for us to understand a little bit of what the idea of holiness is really all about. This picture, while this is certainly a, a poor one in a lot of ways, is this idea that holiness is about something set apart, something that's uncommon, something that's not like everything else. And we see this in this text that we just read, very particular, as the author of Hebrews puts a calling upon believers in a unique way. Look what he says in verse 14. He calls us to strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If you are a Christian, if you are a disciple of the Lord's, we are given a command to strive for holiness, to strive to be set apart. And he gives us this really intense reason. Like This is not something to be taken lightly because it literally says in the text that without holiness, we will not see the Lord. So we should not take this lightly. And yet, when we talk of holy, in our day and age, like, we've even used that word and turned it into something common, haven't we? Like Most people, when they think of something holy, they, they think things like holy cow and holy this and holy that. And it's all over the media. It's the way we say things and it's the way we ex express excitement or um, surprise. That is not what the Scripture says. The biblical sense of holiness would call us, especially in this text, very particularly, to be set apart, to strive to be uncommon, to not be like all the other scissors in the world, but to be uncommon. Because of Jesus, we've been pulled out of the junk drawer. We've been brought into the surgical room. We've been given this calling in our lives to strive for something different. And this has to matter to us. And as we think about what holiness is, and we think about what it looks like for us to strive to holiness, before we can get to that, we also have to look at with the foundation or have the foundation of the true and only Holy One who is God. God is the only true Holy One. And when we speak of His holiness, we're speaking of something that is very very unique. We're saying he is completely set apart, but he's set apart in a different way than we are called to be set apart. It isn't like he's a special pair of scissors. He's not a scissor at all. Like he's in a whole nother category. If we're like the scissors, he's the surgeon, not even in the same space. And it's hard for us to fathom it's hard for us to be mindful and think about the holiness of God and what he is and who he is and to picture that. But we have 
to do that because if we don't, then the temptation and the danger will be for us that we'll begin to view God the way we view each other and we'll begin to view God through the lenses of humanity, right? And, and through our experiences with humanity. And so, so, for example, so many people in this world and, and in this day and age, they, they struggle to see God as their father because their own fathers weren't perfect examples of that. Uh, we're not supposed to do that. We're, we're supposed to look to him as the example. God gives us imagery of, of being a father and all these different things to help us understand him, but he sets the standard. We don't view God's love through the way you were loved by the people around you. You view their love by his love. He's the standard because he is holy, because he is unique. I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. If you haven't, it's a small book, and I would highly encourage it. But A.W. Tozer writes this. He says, forever God stands apart. He is as high above an archangel as above a caterpillar. For the gulf that separates the archangel from the caterpillar is but finite. But the gulf between God and the archangel archangel is infinite. The archangel and the caterpillar both belong in the category of that which is not God and are separated from God by infinitude itself. When we talk about God's holiness, we are not simply talking about his moral character, although that absolutely is part of it. The scripture is speaking of the reality that he transcends everything creaturely. There's two categories, God and everything else, right? Like, there's God and everything made. He is beyond. He is not the scissors. He is the surgeon. He is in totally different category. And so when the author of Hebrews says that without holiness, no one will see him, he is recognizing that God is so set apart from us that we cannot even see him. We can't even grasp him unless he is making us set apart as well. Unless he is making us uncommon regarding every single aspect of our lives. This is exactly what the work of Jesus Christ does in the atonement of our sin. That's what it's all about. Not only are we utterly less than him in every single way, we've rebelled against him in every single way. We refuse to even be what we were made to be. Jesus works, Jesus' work is, in essence, as I said before, he's taking us out of our commonness, and he's making us uncommon. He's taking us out of the drunk drawer. He's taking us out of our dirtiness and our dullness and our rustiness. And he's taking us out of the, the Play-Doh box that the kids are using, the scissors to cut up Play-Doh with. And he's making us something uncommon by the power of his blood. He is setting us apart to be made holy, sanctified. That's, that's what the word sanctified means. And that's a churchy word, right? We don't use that very many places. But it's the process of being made holy holy, the process of being set apart. And the only reason this is possible for us is because of the holiness of the one who holds us in his hands. He is holy, and he has called us to be holy. And so in Hebrews 12, we see 
This idea that our moral character and formation should come out of an understanding of the grace we have. And if we don't live in accordance with that, and we don't strive for that, we cannot see him. In other words, because he has purified us, he is now setting us apart to be uncommon, to be not like everything else, to be not like everyone else. This is why he came. 2 Corinthians says he died for all, that those who live, so that's Christians, it's the people who have come to faith in Jesus, those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who raised, or, or who for their sake died and was raised, to be set apart for good works, separated from the world, unlike all of the rest of the scissors that are in the junk drawer. He died so that those who live will no longer live for themselves. And so when we come to Hebrews, it brings us to this absolutely vital question for every single person in this room. Are you holy? Are you holy? Now, I, I know none of us are perfectly holy. Like that, that's, We've already talked about that. But are you striving towards holiness? Am I holy? Are you holy? Are we holy? Will we see him. Will you see him? Are we separate? Are we set apart? Again, not in the sense that God is. He transcends everything. But in a sense that we respond to his grace. Are you striving to be all, unlike all of those who are still in darkness? Are you striving to be available, to be in the hands of the perfect and beautiful creator, the surgeon? to fulfill your calling and your purpose. If you want to see God, this has to be our pursuit. And verse 15 in Hebrews chapter 12 deepens this admonishment by saying this, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Now we see this and we're like, well, wait, is the author of Hebrews saying that we can earn our salvation? No, absolutely not. That's not what this word obtain means. We absolutely will never say that we can earn our salvation. That is given to us. It's granted to us. We're taking out of the junk drawer. What this word in the Greek, obtain, means, it's the idea of missing something or lacking something or missing out on something. In this case, grace. That grace, if given, even holiness, if given, but is something that we have to walk in. It's something we have to abide in by the power of the Spirit of God. Though the scissors are an inanimate object, and I don't want to beat this analogy to death, but it is a little like them having to allow themselves to be cleaned and held. Allowing themselves to experience the good hand of the surgeon, to use them in trust, knowing that he knows best. He knows how to use us, and he knows how we were made. He knows how we are to live. That's why we are given in this text an example of Esau. So if you still remember in verse 16, it says that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Now, if you've been reading with us through the biblical reading plan, the chronological reading plan, you've read this story. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to do so. Um, this account of Esau can be found in Genesis chapter 25. But in essence, Esau is the oldest brother. He's the brother of Jacob. 
And so as the oldest male in the family, he had a certain right to things. Like as, as that male, he was going to have a, a double portion of the inheritance of his father. He was going to um, become the patriarch of the family. That was his right. He didn't earn that right. He was born with that right. Just like you don't earn your right to inheritance, you have to be born again to gain that right of inheritance. And so Esau was born into his birthright, but he didn't walk in accordance with it. He, he, did, he, he didn't step into it. He didn't live the set-apartness of what that calling was. He didn't walk as if he was set apart. He didn't walk as if he was the firstborn. He didn't truly value it. And so when he was faced with hunger, he sold his birthright to his brother for a bowl of stew. It was Esau saying like, I don't want to be set apart. I'd rather be in the junk drawer. I'd rather be common. I'd rather be like everybody else because I'm hungry. And the scripture says that that was an unholy thing. He was unset apart. He did not live according to the position that he had. Here's the point. Regardless of what you believe about whether or not a person can lose their salvation or not, those who are unholy will not see the Lord. So be holy. Don't mess around. Don't take it lightly. Thinking that we can just kind of half-heartedly serve the Lord, half-heartedly uh, seek uh, to do the things He wants us to. That, that, that's not what this call of Christian faith is. And so many people want to live that way, where they say, well, listen, um, can I lose my salvation? Like, I'm kind of worried about that. Like, how close can I get to the world and still have salvation? How close can I engage with the things around me and still be considered okay in the eyes of God? Like, that's not the point of this text. The point is you should seek and strive to be set apart. If your heart is set upon how close you can look like everyone else and still have salvation, you don't know Jesus. He is too beautiful for that. We are to not mess around with our holiness. We are not mess around with sin. We are not to mess around with this world because it will lead to death. I hope you're hearing this question. And I hope you want to be faithful to the call to strive to holiness. And we're going to get to here in a second, what does that look like practically in our lives? Like how do we practically try to strive for holiness? But before we do that, like I just want you to sit in it for a second. Are you holy? Do you want to strive for holiness? Because I know the temptation when we walk out of this space today and we go to lunch and we go hang out with our friends and we go start preparing our life to watch the Super Bowl today and we want to be with our friends and we're going to hang out to each other. It is so easy to never give this a thought again. But we are called to strive for it day by day, moment by moment. And so, do you want to see him, then you have to strive for holiness. You're not going to be perfect, but you have to strive for it. And so, if your answer is, well, yes, and your answer is, I want to do this. As a believer, what does practical holiness look like in the life of a believer? Well, I want to start with what it isn't. And I think this is really important. And I'm going to use someone else's words because they're a lot better than mine. Uh, this is from J.C. Ryle um, in a book called Holiness that he wrote. And listen to what he says. 
Holiness is not knowledge. Balaam had that. Nor is holiness a great profession. Judas had that. It's not doing many things. Herod had that. Nor is a zeal for certain matters in religion. Jehu had that. Nor morality and outward respectability of conduct. The rich young ruler had that. Nor is holiness taking pleasure in hearing preachers. The Jews in Ezekiel's time had that. Nor is it keeping the company with godly people. Joab and Gehazi and Demas had that. Yet none of these was holy. These things alone are not holiness. A man may have any one of them and yet never see the Lord. Let that sink in a moment. Here's why it needs to sink in, because these things are religion at their finest. To believe that you can gain holiness by, by more knowledge, that, that just coming into church or being with godly people or, or being a moral people can gain you holiness. That's not true. You can have those things and not be holy. Now, it is also probably true that you can't be holy and not have those things, right? But you can have them and not be holy. And so don't rest upon whether or not you're holy based upon how much you know or how much you read the Bible or how much you do this or how much you do that or how many times you come to church. Your holiness comes from the Lord. And striving in that comes from some very practical things. And while I cannot be comprehensive in the short time we have here, I want to focus on five things that I believe are key for every single one of us to want to strive to be holy. So if you want to live in practical holiness, we need to strive to be like Jesus. That's where we have to start, isn't it? He died to set us apart, that we may no longer live, but that Christ might live through us. I love John the Baptist. John the Baptist came before Jesus, and, and, and when he came on the scene, and then Jesus comes on the scene, John the Baptist makes this beautiful statement. He says, I must decrease Jesus must increase. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and through me. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, conformed to his likeness. Are you faithful to this call in your life? Are you trying to align your heart to his? Are you trying to align your desires to his, your thoughts to his, your compassion to his? Do you abhor what he abhors? Do you grieve over what grieves him? Do you love what he loves? Do you take joy in the things that bring him joy? Do you seek to walk in faith the way he did? Is this your prayer? Is this your prayer? And this is a hard thing for us, right? Because it's easy for us to walk into a place and, and we hear about what it is to live and, and, and how we're to abhor evil. Just take that for example. And, and we, we see something happening in our lives and, and we know we should abhor it, but we don't. And so we justify all the reasons why it's okay. Like, it's fine for me to not abhor this. It's fine for me to love this thing, even though I know that Jesus wouldn't love this thing. Um, and you justify with things like, well, that's something Darren said, and that's something that this person said. No, the question is, does Jesus abhor it? If Jesus abhors it, stay away from it. Does Jesus love it? If Jesus loves it, 
pursue it? Does it bring joy to Jesus' heart? If it does, do it. If it doesn't, then don't. There's no justification for those things. It's either does Jesus love it or he does he not. We are to be like Jesus. And he calls us then into the next part of what it looks like to strive to self, or to, to strive to holiness if we want to be this way. And he says this specifically in Luke chapter 9. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I write daily because it's easy for me to do it like once in a while. Daily take up our cross. We cannot strive for holiness without striving to die to self. This is hard. It's so hard because it is so contrary to every part of our nature, isn't it? We love to feed our passions. We love to feed our desires. We love to put ourselves first. We love to put our dreams first. We want to satisfy our wants. We want to put our, our, our strength ahead of um, uh, like ourselves and, and trust in our strength and trust in our own wisdom. We want to lead our lives. This is one of the great lies of our day, that this is the thing that you should do. You should live according to yourself. Pursue yourself. Pursue your heart. This is the one of the great lies of your heart. This is one of the great lies of the enemy. Like, just be yourself. Listen, as you watch the Super Bowl today, watch the commercials. What are they telling you? Give over your passions. Live according to your desires. Feed them. Lean into them. If you want it, take it. Go get it. Like, that's what it's going to communicate to us over and over again. Because we want to believe that we can lead ourselves to true life. But we can do anything but that. It's a lie. The scissors can't find their abundant life unless someone takes them out of the junk drawer. They're going to be content hanging around in the darkness unless someone takes them out of that. Brothers and sisters, our greatest chance to find joy and well-being and the goodness of life is to die to self, not live according to self. To die to self. To die to our pride. To die to our desires. To die to our sin. And let him lead us. And let him use us. That's hard. And I fail at it every day. And so we're thankful for the grace and mercy of Jesus. Amen? But what evidence is there in your life that you're seeking to die to self daily? And listen, maybe you've got some areas you can say, look, I've surrendered these things. I've died to these things. And so, man, look at me. I'm doing great. Like, here's my categories. But let me ask the question. Is there any area of your life you have yet to surrender to him? Because that's what he's talking about. Because it's easy for us to just look at the things we've already died to, but there's still things you haven't died to. We need to die to self in every aspect, in every area, and withhold nothing. Strive to die to self. There's no holiness to be had without it. Next, practical holiness strives for a purity of heart. Now, we love to play with fire, don't we? Like if we're all honest with each other and we really sat down and we could kind of get away from all the pretenses, wouldn't we all probably be able to say, like, like there's some temptation of us to say, well, just a little bit of the world. Like, it's not that bad. Like, just a little bit of, of 
this, just a little bit of that, you know, just a little bit of bad language, just a, just a little bit of me first sometimes, right? Like we deserve just a little bit. Like just a little bit of sexual morality, like that's not going to kill anybody. Just a little bit of substance abuse, that's not going to hurt anybody. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit of nudity in that show. Just a little bit of this. Just a little bit of that. We are strive to be pure. Can you imagine how you'd feel about a doctor who said, well, it's fine if the scissors aren't pure before you go into surgery. I know we just picked them up off the floor, but there's probably just a little bit of infection there. Like just a little bit of disease. Like we're just going to keep using them. Like you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's just, it's just a little bit of dirt. Just a little bit of bacteria as they start to cut on us. Like we'd be like, uh, no, excuse me. Like sterilize, please. Like we know we don't want a little bit, yet we like to play with a little bit of the world, thinking it's not going to do anything to us. I love this statement by A.W. Tozer. He says, whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear. Whatever keeps me from my Bible. Now, I want you to take Bible out of that. What if you put that and you said, whatever keeps me from his presence is my enemy, however harmless it may appear. Whatever keeps me from pleasing him is my enemy, however harmless it may appear. Whatever keeps me from being holy and set apart is my enemy, however harmless it may appear. Like, what if we lived our lives asking this question? Whatever keeps me from serving in the church is my enemy, whatever, however harmless it may appear. What if we applied that idea to every aspect of our lives? Even if it appears harmless, if it keeps me from pleasing Jesus, it's my enemy. Again, how many of us are going to be willing today that as we watch the Super Bowl and TV commercials come on and, and we see stuff in there that we know God isn't pleased with, would say, if there's anything I see during this game that would keep me from pleasing Jesus... It's my enemy. Even if it's funny. Even, even, if it, even if it points to something that I like, will we be willing to take it away? When the scripture tells us that we're going to remove every sin, every hindrance in our lives, are you striving for purity of heart? Set no evil thing before your eyes. We also should be striving for the kingdom first. Not my will, but your will be done. That's what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I look across this room, and I know there's a lot of brilliant, godly, gifted people. Your engineers, your mothers, your fathers, your doctors, your teachers, your electricians, your students, your junior high, your, you're in high school. Your whatever profession you do. But that's not who you are if you've been taken out of the drunk drawer. Like if you've been taken out of the junk drawer, you're first a child of God. You're first his son or daughter. 
You're only the engineer after you're his son or daughter. And being an engineer is an opportunity for you to glorify him as his son or daughter who happens to be in that vocation. Like, it's his kingdom first, not yours. It's his kingdom first in every single aspect of our lives. And to refuse this is to refuse being set apart. And it risks us not seeing the Lord. Are you holy? Whose kingdom do you seek first? Finally, practical holiness strives for humility. This might be the most important one because it's the one that keeps us dependent upon his spirit. It's the one that forces us to abide in his love and his mercy and his grace. The one who keeps us abiding in our Savior. This is the one that ensures that we see ourselves clearly, remembering that we are the chief of sinners. I am the chief of sinner. Wretched am I. It's the one that says, I have to pursue holiness and, and Christ-likenesses. Sin is always right there before us. It's always indwelling in us, isn't it? The process of sanctification or being set apart, being made holy, it's an ongoing process. And it's going to be an ongoing process until the day that we are with him, when we truly see him as he is, and in that moment, we will truly be like him. Fully even down to our very nature. Until then, we're to press on, recognizing our failures, recognizing our setbacks, always asking him in these areas, like, am I striving to be like Jesus in this? Am I dying to myself? Am I seeking purity of heart? Am I seeking his kingdom first? Am I humbly resting upon him? Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. As you fight the good fight of the faith, You're insufficient to do this alone, but he's given his spirit in you. And his grace is always there. As we talked about when we did communion today, like the well of salvation never runs dry. That's why we come to it every week, because we need it. The question is, are we striving? So as you ask yourself this morning, am I holy? Will I see him? Maybe a better way to think about this is, are these strivings evident in your life? Are you pressing towards these things? Even if you never make it, are you pressing on towards the goal? Is this the defining characteristic of who you are every single day? Striving to be more like Jesus. Not looking at the areas of success as evidence only, but looking at the areas that have left, let to, yet to be surrendered to him. Are you pressing and striving to holiness? I want to make this call as we close our time. If you have claimed faith in Jesus, if you have said, I am a disciple of Jesus, if you have said, I am a believer in Jesus, are you pressing towards holiness? Is there practical evidence in your walk? Will you see him if the journey ended today? I've been reminded this week how fast that can happen. If not, we need to repent. 
We need to confess and say, Lord, I haven't been seeking. I've been playing with fire. I've been playing with the world. I've not been uncommon. I've not been set apart. I've looked like all the other scissors of the world. And I haven't been striving. If that's you, repent of that today and begin to strive and walk in these things and strive for holiness that you might see the Lord. You also have to ask the question, have you been set apart? Has Jesus taken you out of the junk drawer? Like, has he brought you from darkness into light? Does your life bear the fingerprints of the one who made you? Have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? If you haven't done that, do so today. The God of your making, your creator, the one who knows you better than anyone else, has called you to himself through the reconciling, redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And what's beautiful about it, it doesn't matter how rusty you are, how dirty you are, how yucky you are, he can restore you to newness. And whatever life you think you have, apart from him, pales in comparison to the joy of letting him set you apart and make you holy. I call you to him. Lay your life down. You are a terrible God. And if you're honest with yourself, you know it. Let him be your God. Confess Jesus as your Lord and let him set you apart. So I ask, would you go ahead and just stand with me? And I'm going to ask our elders and pastors and counselors, would you go ahead and come down to the front? Um, We're going to sing one last song. I would just ask you to um, respond this morning. And if you feel like the Lord has been speaking to you this morning, you want to have someone pray with you or talk with you, or you want to um, confess that you want to um, give Jesus your life because you want to be made holy, you want to be set apart because you don't know today if you died, if you would be able to see him and you would be able to stand before him. And you want that assurance. Like we would love to share that today. And listen, You may be scared. You may be like, I I just can't let people see me this way. Remember we talked about humility. If you can't start with humility, then where are you going to start? So we invite you to come. Invite you to come and be prayed over, talked with. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your calling to us to strive for holiness. You are Holy, holy, holy. You transcend everything made. You are completely separate from us. You made us. You're the only one who knows how we were uniquely wired to fulfill the purposes that you've called us to. You're the only one who can fulfill those holes of dissatisfaction and discontentment in our heart. Father, you are the only one that can bring us um, joy and peace and salvation that lasts for all of eternity. Like you are holy. Make us holy. Help us to strive for that holiness. Father, for any in this room or listening right now online that are not set apart, those that have not put their faith in you, Lord, would you help them see the life that you offer them. They just, have to, they just have to lay their life down. They just have to come to you and trust. 
and ask for your forgiveness and your mercy and grace and you will give it and you will make them whole. Father, be with us as we sing. Pray that it would bless your heart.